Welcome to the Sex Ed with DB podcast, brought to you by O School. Sex Ed with DB is an intersectional, feminist, Bay Area-based podcast for folks who want to hear real stories from underrepresented voices as we try to revolutionize the way we talk about sex. Just talk about sex every single day. I used to hump the shit out of everything. I think everybody does. I'm like, if you'd like me to start procreating tough shit, because I'm not gonna. You can't have education, you can't have contraception, but you can't have an abortion. We're still on the, the shit end of, of the stick for a lot of medical interventions that would make our bodies function better. And now it's all queer and all messy and all bodies and really great and fantastic. Everyone gets a vibrator! I'm DB, a.k.a. Danielle Bezalow, and I'll be your host. In today's episode, we'll be discussing sex toys and masturbation with our guests, Polly Rodriguez and Andy Duran. Polly Rodriguez is the CEO of Unbound, a sexual well-being company that is making sex better for women everywhere by providing a sophisticated, reliable, and affordable shopping experience. In short, their vibrators fucking rock, y'all. We'll also have Andy Duran from Good Vibrations, the Bay Area's sex toy oasis. Are you like a kid in a candy store whenever you see a shiny new sex toy but have no clue what to do with it? The pleasure pros at O School are masters of the vibrator, dildo, and butt plug game, just waiting to guide you through the ins and outs of sex toy shopping and sex toy play. Visit www.o.school to find dozens of interactive live streams in praise of pleasure tools. If the future of your fertility is causing you stress, tell your eggs to chill out, literally. Extend Fertility is a premier egg freezing practice dedicated to preserving your fertility options. Have questions? Schedule a call at extendfertility.com. And now, here's my interview with Polly. Thank you so much, Polly, for being here. Welcome to Sex Ed with DB Season 2. Super excited to have you on. If you could just start by telling us a little bit about your background, how you identify, and why you chose to uh, create Unbound. I identify as a woman. Uh, My pronouns are she and her. And I started Unbound basically because I wanted there to be a place in the world where uh, women and femme-identifying individuals could really explore their sexuality and, and learn about it, and more specifically, buy vibrators, lubricants, and accessories. And could you go into that story of why you created it in the first place? Yeah, totally. So it's certainly not the career I think I, I thought I would end up having. Before Unbound, I worked for Senator Claire McCaskill on Capitol Hill. I worked uh, in strategy consulting down on Wall Street, and then I worked at a Y Combinator startup for two years scaling that. But long before any of that, when I was 21 years old, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And when I got sick, the first thing the doctor said I would have to do is go through radiation treatment. And they told me I would never be able to have children as a result of radiation treatment because the gamma rays that effectively kill everything in their path along the way to killing the tumor, my reproductive organs were in the line of fire, so to speak. So they basically told me I would never have children, but that was all they ever really said. And they, they didn't say much else. And so 
I self-discovered that I was going through menopause by Googling as one does. And I just didn't even know where to begin. Like I didn't know what menopause even really was. I didn't know what, if there were products that could help me as I was going through this like fairly significant life change. And so I ended up at a hustler Hollywood on the North side of St. Louis where I'm from. And you know, it was just one of those mortifying shopping experiences that always sticks with you. And so for me, I, I really wanted to create a place that I wish I would have had when I was going through all of that. And I think um, there's so many amazing brands out there in the startup world that there should be one that focuses on sexual health and wellness for women and femme identifying individuals. So that's kind of why I'm passionate about sexuality in general, because I think cancer showed me that it can be, especially for women and, and non-binary people, a very overlooked um, component when it comes to your quality of life. It, it can be an afterthought and we don't want it to be an afterthought. No, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really such a tangible reason why you kind of wanted to create this this world where, you know, folks like had more access to to pleasure, which is great. How about your family? Were they like sex positive while you were growing up? Or were they surprised at all that your career involves uh, sex toys and lube and masturbating and all these fun things? I mean, my family, my parents are hippies for sure. Like they met <laughs> in Madison, Wisconsin, and they're very liberal and open-minded. And so I think they, now they're huge supporters of Unbound and of the company and the mission. But when I first told them, it's not that they were ashamed in any way. I think they were just scared for my reputational risk. My mom was just kind of like, you know, if Unbound fails, are you ever going to be able to get a job again? And I think that goes to show right. kind of like the stigma that's associated, especially with women when they want to work in this field, which is really unfortunate. And I think it took me assuring them that, you know, it certainly is still stigmatized and taboo, but it's not so much so that I'll never be able to get a job anywhere else. Even thinking back three, four years ago when we first started working on it, like the world is a very different place now, even from when it was back then, which is crazy because that wasn't that long ago. But I think um, yeah, my family embraced it. I think the thing I learned is that everybody wants to talk about sex and sexuality. People are just looking for permission. Speaking of that, um, on your own, like, tastes of like what your favorite stuff is. Do you have like a favorite vibrator? It doesn't necessarily have to be something that Unbound sells or it could be or. So my all time favorite was is uh, the middle Limon. We what is that? It. Well, we loved it so much as a product that we partnered with Minna to make an Unbound version of it, which effectively is still just like the middle Limon, but in Unbound's colors and, and branding and packaging and everything. But Brian and John over at Minna are two brilliant, amazing engineers who created this vibrator where the harder you squeeze it, the harder it vibrates. And it was just so intuitive and it has this like deep rumbly vibration and it can mimic patterns. So if there's a certain pattern you like, you can, you can literally squeeze that pattern into the vibrator and then it will basically lock that in and record it and play it back, which was, and really is that like similar to the squish? Yeah, it's the sorry. So Squish and the Mineral Limon are the exact same product. Brian and John had had come to us and were like, "You guys are like buying these like crazy." And we're like, "Yeah, it's like our number one bestseller, and it's our personal favorite. It's my personal favorite product." So I 
love it. I also love the fact that it's like not phallic. It's very like, it looks just like a beauty blender really. Yeah. Definitely makes for interesting trade shows. I've had, I'll never forget. (laughs) You do so many like weird events in the early days. And we did one where we were at like a night bazaar and a little girl ran up and like just picked it up and grabbed it because she had no idea what it was. And she like turned to her mom and she was like, mom, can I please have it? And it was just one of those. (laughs) She was like a cool Brooklyn mom though. So she just like looked at her and was like, when you're older. I have one and definitely wanted to like chat with you about it. And yeah, I love like how small it is and just how compact. Like it's so tiny. Like when you really look at it, it can fit like in the palm of your hand and just kind of sit there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love that, um, that aspect of it, that the harder you squeeze, the faster it vibrates. And I feel like looking at it, like, I'm sure people don't expect it to have so much power. Do you get that, um, often in people who review it? Yeah. I think it's both the power and like the thing that I didn't realize when I got into this industry at first was that there are very different types of vibrations. You know, there's like a high frequency vibration. There's a deep rumbly vibration and People have different preferences. And what we found in our customer data was that people really like that kind of deep rumbly vibration, which is what Squish has. And so I think it's, yeah, it packs a mean punch. (laughs) I haven't really owned that many vibrators in my life. I feel like that's like the third vibrator because I feel like I just like got one three years ago and just like, all right, this is great. But um, it is very different because it doesn't have like, you know, this dildo shape, like the phallic symbol that you were talking about. Um, So it's definitely really different and really, really focused on like really one area, which is like primarily probably people with vulvas and vaginas, like the clitoris, I would say. So would you say like clitoral stimulation is like what a lot of your vibrators focus on? Or would you say that you have like kind of like difference between like phallic kind of vibrators and clitoris vibrators? Like what would you say the the amount of each kind is that Unbound has? I know I cannot wait until we can expand and make more products. We're so excited at the opportunity to make products for the trans community and, and for non-vulva owners. What is a vulva, you may wonder? Well, people have been using the word vagina incorrectly for quite some time. The vagina is the muscular tube leading from the external genitals to the cervix of the uterus, while the vulva consists of the external female sex organs. The vulva includes the mons pubis, labia majora, labia minora, urethra, clitoris, and more. For now, Mm -hmm. our products are focused on the vulva owners as well as really trying to educate around the clitoris just as anatomy, right? Like I think um, it's only been in anatomy books for around a hundred years, acknowledged as a, a real organ. And I think studies and research uh, has shown that vulva and clit owners, um, 70% need clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm. And during, if we consider heteronormative sex, a lot of women don't get stimulation or excuse me, vulva owners get stimulation from just penetrative sex. And so we really try to highlight the fact that vibrators are not, a. Re- there's this narrative that's kind of like, is it a replacement? Is it going to make my partner feel less than? And it's really right. not about that at all. It's about how do you stimulate a part of your body that is small relative to other sexual anatomy. And there isn't a high level of education around. And so I think 
a lot of our products do focus on the clitoris um, just because most of our research has shown that that is where a lot of vulva owners get stimulation. How about the idea that vibrators are only for folks who are having sex with themselves and masturbating? Can you talk a little bit about vibrators um, that can exist between couples when two people are wanting to use it during sex? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many ways to think about that and to really dispel that that myth that, you know, you only use a vibrator to masturbate. I think I acknowledge as somebody that I'm not in a committed relationship and haven't been for a while. And so it can be a tough thing to like bring up when you're, you know, seeing someone, how do I, you know, introduce this into the relationship. But I think the focus is a lot of times that I'm bound, we like to use an ice cream analogy where it's like, you know, vanilla is amazing. Ice cream. I love vanilla ice cream. It doesn't, <laughs> you know, like, but when you put like, fudge and nuts and like all this other stuff on it. It's not that like vanilla is any less good. It just tastes better and it's just different and, and different. Right. So I think for us, it's about, they're both vibrators that you can actually wear during penetrative or non-penetrative sex like Eva by Dame products to amazing badass bitches out of Brooklyn. There's also we vibe is another example of a different type of design but both of those you can actually have resting on the clitoris or internally. Eva is a version where it kind of sits in, in the labia and, and vibrates on the clitoris. And then you can still have penetrative sex. With the Wee Vibe, it actually is kind of uh, a C. It's like a, a smushed C where it actually um, is internal and external. And it kind of curves around the clitoris and, and it's internal and external stimulation. And you can also still have penetrative sex while wearing it. And so I think there's that. Wow. Yeah, there's that type of vibrator. So it's not to say that like you can't have penetrative sex and have a vibrator because then there's also cock rings, which um, so those are two examples where um, the vulva owner would be wearing the vibrator itself. But then if you're a penis owner, they're also um cock rings that you can wear that have a vibrating like small motor or node on them and then it, you can get clitoral stimulation from the motor that sits on top of the shaft or underneath it so there are lots of different ways to actually incorporate vibrators into actual penetrative sex and then of course there's always foreplay i think we need to a little bit get over this notion that like both partners have <laughs> to climax. start having sex right or like that you have to climax at like the exact same time and like perfect timing and oh that's just like so un incredibly unrealistic and like truly only happens in movies right so your partner can easily use a vibrator on you during foreplay after they've orgasmed together i mean like it's just yeah just think that you have to use a vibrator while masturbating and only masturbating is a silly notion in my mind so much of our hangups when it comes to sex are directly related to the fact that we struggle to communicate and we struggle to talk about our needs and our wants and our desires without feeling shame. And it takes a great deal of, I think, courage to turn to a partner and say, Hey, this is something I'm kind of interested in trying. Would you be open to like trying it with me? And in my mind, if I'm somebody that I'm with another person and they're turning to me openly and earnestly and asking me that question, unless it's something like 
absolutely insane that's like putting <laughs> like someone in danger, I'm of course going to respond with, yeah, tell me more. Like, what is it that you're interested in? And like, I don't know if you're with a partner who really responds to like that type of question with like, no, I'm not interested and I don't care. Then my advice would be, I think you're probably with somebody that isn't considering, you know, your well-being, and, and you shouldn't put up with that shit. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm on board with everything you just said. <laughs> I think with getting back to like the vibrator specifically, I think there's a huge misconception about vibrators only being for young people. And I'm not sure if you watched uh, Grace and Frankie take it from me. I just like absolutely love this show. I think it's so brilliant and funny. And like, I think the point of it is that it's really clear that there's absolutely a market for older folks totally. with vibrators and accessories and lube. Can you talk a little bit about the demographics of your customers and how, you know, how many older folks who buy, um, that number may surprise some of the listeners for this podcast? I mean, we get a very large number of women that are, you know, anywhere from 45, 55, 65. But I, I think it's amazing to see a lot of women who kind of get this, you know, second wind in their sails. That's a terrible cheesy analogy, but like, they, <laughs> but, you know, but where they're like, like literally this group of older women that came up to our table that we had this brunch thing today. And we're just like, you know what? I'm buying this and I'm buying it for my girlfriend and I'm just doing it. And they just like really did not give a fuck. And like, amazing. I was just like, I hope I am as chill as you are when I'm older. Oh, I'm sure you will be. I'm sure you will be based on your career and what you're doing now. Absolutely. But I do think they're like um, life stages, right? Like you have a baby, you, you know, go through menopause. Like there are these really dramatic life shifts your body goes through. And I don't think we educate young women about what that really means. I mean, I know they didn't teach that right. stuff in my health class. So I, I do hope that more and more we'll see older women coming to the site and engaging with Unbound because I think sometimes it's those life events where we feel the most alone, where I hope, I hope we mm. can find them and they can find us. For folks who may feel like they really, really want, are there and they really, really want to buy vibrators and they're excited about it. Um, but it might seem like too financially inaccessible for them. Maybe it's like too expensive. I feel like whenever I go vibrator shopping and like look on the walls, I feel like often things are like over $50. Yeah. I mean, that was a central part as to why we launched our own line of products. We really wanted to focus on affordability while not compromising on the quality of materials. So all of our vibrators use medical grade silicone. And one of the things that's important to know that a lot of people don't know is that the vibrator industry actually is not regulated by the FDA. So a lot of times vibrators will have really not body safe materials, whether it's phthalates or parabens. You really want to be careful about the ingredients that are in your vibrator because you're putting that in an incredibly absorbent part of your body. And so for us, we really wanted to offer a very entry level vibrator that still was medical grade silicone at a price point that we could justify and stand behind. And so our cheapest bullet vibrator is only $17. And $17 is literally like, I mean, in the Bay Area, that's like a piece of toast. Yeah. But, you know, $17, that's awesome. That's super cheap. Back to like your childhood and stuff. Um, how did your parents 
talk to you. So you said they're hippies, which means like to me that like they're probably like free love and open minded and like not really too shameful. But did they talk to you about pleasure and masturbation growing up? Because last season we had my mom on who's an OBGYN in Napa and has been practicing for over 30 years. And um, this was like a conversation that her and I got into that we just got like heated into it because I remember as like, you know, an eight, nine-year-old kid, like starting to masturbate. And there were so many times where she would just like, I didn't have a fucking lock on my door, obviously. So she would just like walk in on me doing it. And I'd be like, so ashamed. I'm like, oh my God, what? I wasn't doing anything. And I just like, didn't have the tools. And she like, still was like, you know, kind of a new mom and was just like, not sure how to handle it. So I feel like she just kind of like, stared at me and just like didn't really say anything about it and i just like obviously still remember that and we chatted about that last season oh my god i just That's, love that i get I to like, bring this up what? again kudos to you i mean <laughs> that is uncharted territory my friend doing a podcast talking about mm-hmm. masturbation with your mother walking in on you oh my goodness no. oh for sure i totally wish that i had like a rad story like that I, no my parents did not talk to me about masturbation i think i got <laughs> a very common narrative which was do not get pregnant i think i started first time being sexually active when i was like 14 or 15 and i wish i could have gone and talked to my mom about it like i I should have. And I didn't, I think because I was afraid that they would be mad at me and think that I had done something right. wrong. I think because we are so uncomfortable with sexuality as individuals, it is. Can you imagine walking in on your daughter and finding her masturbating? I mean, what would you say to her? It's a very tough conversation. Dude, That's what I'm saying. It's like soup. Okay. So I was babysitting like a kid recently And she was in, she's in third grade. And I noticed that like whenever we would get home and she would start doing her homework, she would start fucking humping the floor, masturbating like in front of me. In the world of like teaching young kids things, it's a much more like fundamental question. And it's funny because like, because I had colon cancer, I ended up having to get real comfortable with talking about a lot of bodily functions, especially when it comes to like mm-hmm. poop. And the thing I realized is I think that there are a lot of other things in our lives that you can use as comps or com- like comparisons to masturbation and sex and sexual tendencies. And I actually think going to the bathroom is one of those things, pooping, peeing, period, mm-hmm. sex, masturbating, all of these things are part of what it means to be an evolved animal. And I think you just have to approach it from that perspective. Like Mm -hmm. you could literally be talking about pooping or you could be talking about masturbating. And I think we have to start encompassing sex in this sphere of it's just a natural body bodily function. If we as humans can't talk about our sexuality, how in God's name are we going to walk in and talk to like, you know, a nine or 10 year old who's discovered what masturbation is. I used to hump the shit out of everything. I think everybody does. Everybody goes, <laughs> I think everybody goes through like a hardcore dry humping either with their boyfriend or whatever. Like everybody orgasms for the most part before they even really know what it is. And totally. there's something like really poetic and beautiful about that, but also kind of tragic, you know, that like, it's this beautiful special thing that happens that you have this relationship with your body and then all of a sudden you're taught yeah and if you keep doing stuff like that then you're going to end up pregnant and your life will be over and all this stuff and 
I think. I know. Um, it's bad. Anyways, I digress. But I think, I think we have to be <laughs> no, flexible with this. our, great. with ourselves. And then we'll be able to, we'll have the conversations we wish our parents would have been able to have with us. San Francisco Pole and Dance is not just a pole dance studio. It is a feminist utopia and a space to celebrate feminist empowerment. Located at 8th and Folsom in San Francisco Soma District, San Francisco Pole and Dance offers over 45 classes a week in pole dancing, aerial skills, aerial lira, gymnastics, handstands, and flexibility training. Here, you'll get the best in pole dance training along with the support of a community filled with bad bitches. Go to www.sfpolanddance.com to sign up for a class. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB to get 20% off your first purchase. So, hi, Andy. Thank you so much for being here um, for the Sex Ed with DB podcast. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. I'm really happy to have you. Super excited to interview you and hear all about good vibes and your work and your experience and your life and all that fun stuff. It's my pleasure. Great. That's kind of a pun, I guess. <laughs> it's my pleasure. No, it's my pleasure. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and how you identify? Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, so as stated, my name is Andy. Uh, I am 33 years old uh, from the Bay Area. I, I identify as queer. I identify as trans slash genderqueer. I identify as a person of color. I'm half Mexican, half black for folks listening. Uh, I identify in so many ways because, you know, it's super intersectional, right? Totally. You know, I'm I'm a a fat guy. I'm a brown guy. I'm a trans guy. I'm a, you know, like there's a lot going on. But the most important is that I'm an educator and a sexual health educator specifically. So that's the biggest part of my identity. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Why did you choose to go into sex education and what's your job? So my job currently is uh, I'm the education director with Good Vibrations. I've been with Good Vibrations for 13 years now. And, and what the, is Good Vibrations? Oh, uh, Good Vibrations is this beautiful kind of environment this this kind of sex positive utopia so to speak of a store where it's not only just in an adult store where you can get products but you could also get resources books uh you can come in for classes workshops we do classes in community centers and at uh, universities as well. So we're really trying to bring sex positivity and conversations about sexuality into the the open and into an open, honest, and safe community. Do you have parents who come in the store and are like, I want to talk to my kids about this stuff, but I just like don't really know how. Like, do you have parents who come in and, and like, what do you what do you say to them? Where do you start? All the time, yeah. Um, we have lots of, of parents that come in and are looking for resources. We do have some books um, that talk about uh, sexuality, uh, especially th- uh, for younger folks, for young adults. We have books about kind of coming of age uh, stories of identity as well. So um, one book we have is The Transgender Child. We have another one called The Transgender Teen. So you can actually kind of progress through the reading. But I think that the the thing that most people come in looking for for their uh for how to have that conversation with their child is more like uh you know, c- confidence. 
people are like, am I saying the right things? Is it okay if I don't say this? Is it okay if I, should I buy this book and discreetly leave it on the bookshelf for right. them to find? It's like, how do or, I even talk about it? Right. And so we, we end up having a lot of conversations about ways in which they could enter into the conversation more than products that they would be able to use once they're there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So pleasure in masturbation. Uh, when did you first discover masturbation? So everybody has these like really interesting stories, right? Of like how they had their first experiences. Um, for me, uh, much like a, a lot of other folks, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, it, it's that that great kind of period in your life where you just kind of exploring without shame yet, without you know this feeling of you're not supposed to be doing it, and. I started to notice reactions to different positions that I would like lay down on or in or sit in like, oh, if I sit with my legs crossed, that feels kind of good. Or, you know, oh, like sometimes when I need to go to the bathroom, I get tickly feelings. And, you know, so these kind of things that I would figure out as a young person and like I didn't understand that you could masturbate to orgasm for a long time because I it wasn't goal-oriented at any, in any way. It was just kind of like, this feels good. Let's keep doing it. Um, I didn't start using my hands for a long time because, again, it was really just more like feeling my body from the inside and, and from stimulation of just being in it. So my masturbation took a while before it looked a little bit more like what, like, I guess people imagine masturbation to look like. One of my favorite kind of stories about masturbation that I related to um, was a coworker and I were having this conversation and they were explaining how their partner had grown up in a house with a lot of siblings. Most of us, I grew, I'm the youngest of four kids and you didn't have privacy, didn't right. have your own room, mm -hmm. you know, so masturbation was something we couldn't really do in that environment. And he had learned um, in the bathroom because mm -hmm. it was the only time where he was able to have the door closed. And because of learning in the bathroom and position that's not laying down in his bed, when he finally did get his own room and his own bed, he didn't actually know how to masturbate anymore in it because he was used to kneeling or standing in the bathroom. Right. And so he couldn't orgasm until he would kneel or stand um it was took him actually weeks of practice to transition into mm -hmm. learning how to do it from laying down on his back yeah and i really related to that because how you learn is really pivotal into how your body you know kind of remembers and your muscles are going to tense in the same way and if you suddenly change that position it's really confusing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even as adults, we figure this out when suddenly yeah. we're having sex with someone and they're like, stand up against the wall. And you're like, I can't come like that. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. that same thing. But as a young person, I didn't realize how, how much masturbation shaped sex. When do you think is the right age in school to start discussing pleasure and masturbation? Because I think like in a lot of these like sex tech companies and like sex companies, like they're doing an amazing service to people mm -hmm. by like offering, you know, toys and accessories and all of these things. But like the reality is, is like these kids are going to school and like if we were to change like, you know, the curriculum or the way in which we talk to students about this, like maybe, you know, these toy companies and every single company could be like in addition to their sex education. Like mm -hmm. if the school system were doing a good job, when do you think would be the right time to talk to kids about it? Well, I think that that there's always age appropriate sex at, at, that can happen at any age. Mm -hmm. I think that it starts. 
That's mu- the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. I think it starts at a much earlier age than people think. It's it's what kind of uh, you know language you use when you're telling your child about their body. Are you saying that's your your pee pee and your hoo ha, or are you telling them that this is your vulva and like that's your penis and you know, uh, we don't show people our penises or, you know, whatever like yeah. the conversation is, I think that it's really important for people to to hear and learn. And then that continues with things like, you know, um, like, oh, like you have a crush on that girl, like don't hit her or don't be mean to her because picking on people as a way of showing affection isn't appropriate. You know, like, right. just, like these conversations are going to shape somebody's life. And I, I don't think that, people realize how often like young people are just kind of left to figure it out. And it's, it's not intuitive. It's not, you know, if we were left to figure it out with the information we've been provided, it, it, it makes sense why there's a lot of negativity and harm happening. People are left to internet, to social media standards, which are not optimal porn people, you know, one of the things that I love talking about porn, so because people tend to blame porn a lot right. for the uh, lack of information or education that young people have. And porn hasn't really like ever changed uh, or lied about what it is. It's entertainment, right? right? Like it's always been designed as an inter- a form of entertainment, you know, and if we think to like a time period where, you could go to like the movie theater and watch Deep Throat, or you could even, in, you know, go a decade or so later and go to your local adult bookstore and rent it. You know, this was these were environments that were only approachable by people over eighteen, and so there was a little bit of an assumption that the people that are going to be watching this already know it's entertainment because they've had sex and they know that's not what sex looks like. But now people who find access to porn, you can find it just on your cell phone and, you know, on Tumblr or Instagram even. So people are seeing porn before they might be having their own experiences before they've seen a naked body, um, before, uh, they've, you know, had any type of relationship and they're using this as examples or using this as like, Oh, I guess it looks just like that. A more reality TV or documentary versus entertainment. Mm -hmm. And especially now people are confused with the difference between reality TV and entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, the, it's even still feels like your reality is somehow supposed to be entertaining. So Right. Yeah. Great point. Yes. Okay. Sex toys. Um, you seen them. You yeah. got them at Good Vibes. <laughs> um, what tips do you have for people who don't know where to start with sex toys? There are two things I generally like to let folks know when they're getting a new product. One is that I always recommend getting something that could be used in more than one way. So if it doesn't work in the way it was intended for, maybe it's got some alternatives that you can still use. An example would be a insertable vibrator that if the vibration function stops working at some point, you could still use it as a dildo Mm -hmm. or even all the way down to the magic wand. And if the magic wand's not for you, you've got this great back massager. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that I would recommend because if you get something that only really has one specific ability uh, to be used, let's say a product like the Womanizer, Mm -hmm. which is a very notable, very popular, very strong clitoral suction toy. It's amazing. But that's the only thing it can do. Right. If it doesn't work for you in a clitoral function 
I mean, maybe you could use it over the nipples, but it doesn't really have any other kind of alternatives. Mm -hmm. You can't use it as a vibrator just for massage. You can't use it internally. So a product like that wouldn't be somebody's like first time, let me see if this is going to work for me toy. Right. But it's definitely something that when you have a little bit more knowledge about what you're into, it could be a a good product. Um, The other thing I like folks to know is it's always a good idea to just remember that this isn't your last vibrator. This is your first vibrator, you know, and and that that doesn't mean it has to be the end all greatest thing. A lot of times people tend to want to come in and get the best. That's the most popular question. What's the best vibrator? Everybody's different. Everybody likes different things. Everybody, you know, has different preferences. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a normal. And that's infuriating for people. Because everybody... I'm going to spend this money. I want the best of the best. Totally. And... In the beginning, you know, shopping for sex toys is a little bit like dating, where there is a little trial and error, and maybe something looks really good and isn't actually going to work for you in the end, and maybe something else is, and and that's the point. And one of the things I kind of really try to stress with our customers and our staff is that we're excited to go on that journey with you, mm-hmm. you know, come in and tell us like how that toy worked out. And if it, you know, oh, you need something that's more powerful and you didn't really like that it wasn't rechargeable. Okay, cool. Let's keep going. And just like shopping for clothes or anything else. Yeah, I was just going to make you that get better with practice. Yeah, you start to understand like people in the store being like, how'd that work for you? Mm-hmm. Like, can I get you another size? It's the same for good vibes. Like, oh, how did that work? for you can i get you a different kind of vibration Another different size. kind of to- exactly <laughs> different size yeah exactly yeah that's awesome i know for myself like first of all i need to come into good vibes and buy like a bunch of new vibrators because cool. i feel like i only have like one or two that i use um and they're just like old and i would like some new toys yeah um so that's number one but number two when i use them i just feel so fucking lazy and i'm just mm. like i really don't i want to go to sleep right now like mm-hmm. i'm really not in the mood to like get up, put soap on this, do the whole thing. Like, why do I need to get up and clean it? What's <laughs> what's important about that? Totally. So cleaning your toy is important. Uh, obviously, you're dealing with uh, your genitalia. You're dealing with uh, mucous membranes. You know, you want to make sure that you don't get irritated, that you don't have bacterial infections, things like that. So cleaning a toy is, is a good, good idea. Now, what material the toy is made of is going to kind of alter how you clean it and and uh, how clean it'll get um, but the the basic rule of thumb for any toy so let's say you're you have no idea what it's made out of your friend gave it to you as a gift you use it every once in a while is to clean it with a mild soap and warm water if it's not submergible you know you can use just run it under the sink or use a washcloth or there's even toy wipes or toy cleaners that you can spray on it basically nothing harsher than you would use on your own skin Uh, so don't pour bleach or alcohol on your toys especially if it's a porous toy it might absorb that and be Mm. irritating for you later the other thing that's super easy is just to throw a condom over it you know treat it like a person that you uh just want to protect and and have that barrier yeah uh so a condom over a toy is an easy and safe way to go now if your toys are made out of silicone i mean you can the sky is the limit you can you can boil silicone as long as there's no motors or anything in it so a silicone dildo or butt plug you can boil them in warm water 
water or boiling water <laughs> um, for about five minutes and then it, it's good to go. Silicone's a wonderful material like that. Glass, stainless steel, like there's so many great hard surface, non-porous products out there. Hard plastic, you know, you really just want to be a little bit more cautious if it's a rubber that you don't recognize or that, the you know, is not made of silicone because in those situations, that's where I would say the condom rule is a good uh, a good way to go. You don't want to go boiling something like that or you'll end up with a, a dick soup, you know? <laughs> so That's on the menu, yeah. dick soup. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I definitely th- uh, encourage people to buy the condoms or clean it. What's one thing you wish everyone in the world knew about vibrators? Oh, I think the thing I want everyone to know about vibrators is that you can't get addicted to your vibrator. Mm, that's and a good one. I think a lot of times people get really nervous about that. That's a, a hang-up I hear a lot. Can I get addicted? Will this make me desensitized? Any of these kind of concerns on on it uh, kind of ruining your ability to, to have sex with anyone outside of the vibrator. Um, and... The, the real reality of it is that you, you can't get addicted to your vibrator. You can definitely become habituated. We are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a reason why every time I go to my exact favorite restaurant, I get the exact same dish every time. It's because I'm nervous if I venture off from that, something else is going to be more disappointing. Mm. Um, and I know this is going to work. I know this is going to satisfy me in the way that I expect to when I come here. So I come for that dish, uh, so to speak. No no pun intended. (laughs) So I think it's a really similar thing where we often know, okay, I could use my hand, but this toy is going to get me off faster or more reliably or anything like that. But that doesn't mean that you're addicted to your vibrator or to your, uh, you know, anything for that matter. The other thing that people worry about is, is vibration going to change their ability to orgasm? The most common person that asks that question is somebody who is not experiencing orgasms during sex already. So typically what this looks like, the scenario is somebody who is non-orgasmic during penetrative sex, usually. They heard that vibrators are helpful for orgasms. They buy it. They orgasm. And then they become scared because they have penetrative sex and they're not orgasming still. Right. And, oh, it must be the vibrator. Um, But the reality is that the vibrator is not going to, you know, suddenly unlock achievement orgasm. It's not like that. You know, it's that you're you're learning your body Mm -hmm. with something that has a steady rhythm. You're learning your body with something that literally grows new neurology to feel and feed from. So your body is like got these neural pathways that are like, oh man, that feels good. Let's let's bring more nerves to the party and all play with this thing. So it's it's not even damaging existing nerves. It's not affecting uh, your body's response to touch in other ways. Is you're, you're really learning this and adding new nerves, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But if you count on your vibrator to be this thing that helps you orgasm just on existence, just by having it, just by the fact that you used it, it's not going to do that. Totally. But it can definitely help you figure out you know, what you like, what gets you off, what kind of stimulation do you need? How does your body tense up when you're getting close? When do you back off and when do you grind more? Mm -hmm. You know, these are the things that you want to be kind of bringing into uh, your experience with your toy and then incorporating into your play. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And what about other types of toys like whips and paddles and outfits and leather and all these kinds of things? Like, 
How do people if, start getting into like this idea of kink if they don't really know where to start? The the Fifty Shades culture has brought in a lot of people that are suddenly curious about kink that didn't think about it before. I mean, one of my favorite memories is going to rural Ohio and hanging out on a, a trailer park and seeing a bunch of older women reading Fifty Shades books. Oh my god! And I was so plot twist. Yeah, totally. I was like, oh wow, this is amazing and interesting, you know. And they're discussing it and you know, love it or hate it. It brought a lot of conversation. To the table that For I think sure. really needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And it inspired an entire kind of community of folks that hadn't been inspired by this yet, you know? So maybe you knew about kink before, maybe you were already in the scene before, but there's somebody who just read one of those books and goes, I kind of want to be spanked. Yeah. I think I kind of want that. <laughs> and that's okay. And we want to invite them into the community and into the store and into the space to enjoy and learn. Now, how to do it? You don't have to go all in. You don't have to recreate a, a Madonna video in order to be part of the kink community. You can start with an ice cube and, and teasing and, and power play. You know, actually one of my favorite things to tell people to start with is we have these like kind of, we call them ignite me candles and they're soy candles. So they burn at a lower temperature than paraffin wax. And when mm. you light them, it burns to a warm oil that you can immediately pour on the skin and massage in. And it's amazing because it's such a safe product. It's just a massage candle. Right. It's not even in the kink section. Right. But for people that want to explore kink, you could get this massage candle and maybe get a blindfold or maybe get some basic restraints and elevate that massage. Suddenly you're you're making your partner nervous. What are you doing? Is that going to be hot? I'm scared. And you're like, do you trust me? And it's sexier. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you add sexiness to something that you're already kind of doing? You probably use your bottle of, you know, Jergens lotion and rub your back, but this, this can elevate it into an entire experience. Right. So that's kink is... How do you create an experience around the pleasure that you probably hadn't done yet? The last question I do have before we wrap up is um, what's one thing you want our listeners to walk away with when it comes to pleasure, sex toys, and or masturbation? Treat yourself. Fuck yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm pro-indulgence. I think that it's good for people to indulge and explore and enjoy. And so I'm a hype man. I'm there at the stores to tell people like, no, you want it, you deserve it. Yeah. You treat yourself. Have it. Have that fun time. Have that sexy lingerie. You know, you don't even need to tell anybody. It's yours. You know, wear yeah. it single. I don't care. Like, I want people to treat themselves because we help others and we do good stuff, especially here in the Bay. We're we're such a great community and we do such great work and I just want people to take a moment to treat themselves and to really uh, feel themselves. Sex Ed with DB is brought to you by O School, a place to unlearn shame, explore pleasure, and interact with a diverse community of sex positive folks through daily live streams. Forget sex ed, our hashtag sexy ed is far more satisfying. Go to www.o.school to learn more. Our creator, host, and producer is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our content editor is Katherine Cohen. Our graphic illustrator is Carissa Diaz. Our audio engineer is Katie McMurrin. Our social media lead is Lisa Fireman. And our fundraising coordinator is Carly Yoshida. Music by Joaquim Karud and the artist Buddha. Thank you to our featured voices and our listeners. Tune in next time.